Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed Guy Talk. I certainly enjoyed the power panel today. It was nice adding in my friend Tiger McClune while uh, my friend Dr. Peter Kapsner is off celebrating his anniversary today. So happy anniversary to Peter and Hallie. Thank you uh, for being such faithful uh, listeners and supporters of Faith Radio. It just makes such a world of difference, and we're so grateful. Our hearts are so full that. You care about us, and you pray for us, and you support us, and we're just coming so close to the end of our of our fiscal year. It ends at the end of June, and we're five percent away from meeting our our goal. So we're we're just kind of so excited, so ecstatic, and for the first time, reaching that goal would just uh, be amazing in the midst of all that's going on. So uh, if that is on your heart to be part of that last five percent. It would be uh, very appreciated, to say the least. All right. This hour, I've got uh, Beverly Canaris with me, and she is going to talk about the family of God. Bev taught Bible Study Fellowship for over 30 years and loves to uh, teach and mentor and um, just share the the love and hope she has in her heart with others. And I always uh, love our time together, and she's uh, joining us today. Bev, welcome. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here. So the family of God, this is a topic you love in particular, don't you? I do. I do. I've had a lot of fun thinking about this, praying about this, um, thinking through this, what what that really means for us. And um, I think it's something that is so important and seldom talked about. So oh, I, I hope this sparks people's interest today. I, I love it. I love the the family of God. It's an important um, thing to talk about, contemplate. Everyone wants to be a part of something. They do, and we all long for that uh, that something, for a people or a place where we feel loved, where we feel developed, where we feel safe. That's a big part of it, too. So what we're, what we're really describing in those needs is a want of a family, close relationships, people that we can count on. Um, well, the church, uh, the family of God, is the best sense of a family, not without its, its you know... Foibles. Yeah. I mean, certainly um, there's no perfection as long as we're in this world, but it it is a real blessing. Um, you know, human families often fail us in giving us those three essentials of love, development, safety. But what we have in the Church of Jesus Christ is the offer of the family that our hearts are really, really longing for. We want those deep relationships. And when we have in common Christ in us, we can go deeper than even with blood relatives. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 not only the family of God, it's the church is really what we're talking about here. I, I'm going to use the two terms kind of interchangeably. And Christ called, you know, the church the bride, his bride. It's the bride of Christ is the church. It's us. Think how much love and effort goes into a bride and how exciting and, and what that represents. And that's who we are to Christ. We're a bride. And who's giving us away? God the Father to his son, Jesus. 
So that's a beautiful picture of what the church is really meant to be. So today we're going to look at um, three different aspects of the family of God, Bill. We're going to look at uh, the family foundation. You know, how did that get started? What is it? And then how the family is to function. And finally, the family's future. I like all three. Yeah. So maybe we start with family foundation. That's where we got to start for sure. For sure. And there's there's some word pictures in scripture that really are helpful in understanding what is the foundation of uh, the family of God. God has provided a place and a people through adoption. Adoption is in the Bible. It's a concept that describes what happens to us when we receive Christ. John one twelve. Yes. God takes us from the family of this world, and he places us in a new family. We're adopted into God's family through, here's how that happens. Here's how that adoption happens, through faith in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you beat me to the punch. I didn't mean to. Go ahead. I, I no. Was gonna, no. You got it memorized? Well, I do. But I was also going to open the show with um, Acts 4.12, too, which is salvation is to be found in him alone. In all the world, there is no other name by which you can be saved. Yes. And that's, that is our entrance and our adoption uh, as well. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, that's Christ, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So that's why you hear that phrase, born again. You know, it's the adoption. It's coming into a new family. So receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior, that union with him leads us into the family of God. And it couldn't happen until there's been a, 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 a dealing with sin, because God is holy and he can't come near sinners. So Christ came and he took care of our sin problem by paying the punishment for that sin on the cross. And so now we have been justified before God and God in all, with all justice can, can call us into his family. So we've been justified by God by the death and sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. You know, another point that saddens me deeply is that all people are not children of God. All people have been created by God and have worth, but those who do not receive the salvation through Christ remain in an alienated state to God. It's an important distinction, Bev. Isn't it? Because I hear it all the time. We're Mm -hmm. all God's uh, children. I go, no, we're all created in the image of God, but it's not until you're adopted into the family of God that you... Are a child of child God. Of God. Yes. Yeah, and I say that with great compassion because I'm sure there's someone listen who is not that familiar with Christianity. It doesn't consider themselves a Christian, so it's it breaks my heart to tell them that. But yet, know that they are created in God's image. Um, that God is is calling them, maybe even today, right now, as they hear my voice. That this is the time to become part of that family of God by receiving Christ, taking care of that sin problem. Uh, Galatians four has an interesting way of saying this, and it it reads this way. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent his spirit into his son, into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. 
So you are no longer a slave, but you're God's child. And since you are his child, he has made you an heir. I love that that verse, how it talks again about adoption. And now God is our Abba Father, Abba Daddy. What a privilege mm-hmm. to be able to think about calling dad, him a dad, you know, our daddy, Abba Father. Uh, when When we receive Christ at the same time, this verse mentioned it, we receive the Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ in one, who indwells us, assuring us of our adoption. You know, we can start to wonder and question, but the Holy Spirit, when he's living in us, after we've made that commitment of faith to Christ, he's the one who gives us that assurance. Adoption itself is really a work of the Spirit who does three important things. First of all, Um, Because he lives in us now, it's a sign that we're no longer under the bondage of law keeping. Uh, We we don't have to fear condemnation anymore. The Holy Spirit in us, because of that adoption, we're assured of this new relationship with God. You know, it's a terrible thing to be in a family or in a relationship and be insecure. It's it's very hard on individuals. There's never going to be that freedom and that joy and growth and and intimacy if there is uh, not that assurance in the relationship. So in the Holy Spirit, in our hearts, he gives us that assurance, and that's why we can cry out, Daddy, (laughs) we're sure that Mm -hmm. he's listening. Uh, It also said that we become heirs with Christ. When you're adopted into the family of God, you are a wealthy man, Mm -hmm. a wealthy woman, and all that Christ has becomes ours. We share in the inheritance of the father's son. It's just it's what does the thought, son, mm. what's his inheritance? What is that? I mean, that's everything. Right. That's everything. Um, we have a new relationship to other Christians as well when we go through this process of adoption. We get a very large family of brothers and sisters because we all have the same father. Bill, Rebecca, we have the same father. We're in the same family. You're my sister. You're my brother. Mm -hmm. I love that thought. I do too. I love to call somebody, you know, my sister in the Lord or my Mm -hmm. brother in the Lord. I think it, um, it just points out that adoption and it points out the relationship that can happen in the family of God. Adoption is also judicial. It's a judicial act and it gives us a new standing or status. Um, Adoption is about relationship, as we've said. We have a new relationship now to God and a new relationship to other people who are in the same family of God. That's why it's kind of fun to call you Brother Bill, Brother Rebecca, because it signifies, it highlights that new relationship. Now, this new family, the family of God, another way to call that, and I said we were going to interchange the two terms, is called the church. I think it's kind of important to realize there's a visible kind of local church that we go to on Sundays, hopefully. And then there's the invisible church. The invisible church is is the um, all the Christians of all times in the world everywhere. So it's the church invisible we become a part of and also the church visible. So not only people in my congregation, but also people around the world that I meet in other places are part of the family. Mm-hmm. All right, Bev Canaris is my guest. We're going to take a little break. We're talking about the family of God. And boy, is that wonderful news to be part of the family 
of God. We're going to talk about the family foundation, the family function, and the family future. If you have any questions or you'd like something clarified, let me know what that is. You can send a text to 877-933-2484. Maybe you heard something you need repeated or you you need us to clarify it, let us know. Again, 877-93-FAITH. We'll be right back. going well. I hope you're filled with hope in your heart. I pray that God is meeting you where you're at today. If you are in a place of suffering or loneliness or isolation, whatever it is that you've got today, I know God will meet you. And the great news that we're talking about today with Beverly Canaris is being a part of God's family. And if you feel that you are a child of God Have you made a decision to accept Christ as your Savior and Lord? Have you invited him into your life? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? It is then that you uh, believe on his name and become adopted into the family. We just want to make sure you understand how important it is to be in God's family, to be abiding in Christ, and to belong to him. So we're just talking today with Bev about uh, the family and the family of God, and I think we're off to a great start. Still talking about the family foundation. We are um, about this concept of adoption. I I think that is such a beautiful picture. And, you know, when someone is adopted, you're especially chosen. Mm. And um, that makes even that uh, adoption even more special. So just keep that fact in mind as we talk about what it means to be a part of the family of God. We're also, the family of God is also called the body of Christ, Wow, (laughs) that's pretty astounding, too. We are Christ's presence. We represent Christ in the world to others. We are Christ to others. We're a witness. Right, Mm -hmm. right. We are the body of Christ. What does that really mean? That means that we, our flesh and blood, becomes that witness, that, that walking life of showing people to Christ. So that is beautiful. And the body of Christ, what did Christ do when he was in his body? We want to be doing those same things, helping others, being compassionate, speaking truth. Um, We want to be, we want to demonstrate the qualities of uh, Christ to the world. God has redeemed us. I love that word, redeemed. In other words, his death paid the penalty for our sins um, he could have left it at that. He, he didn't have to call us into a church, which was kind of vague in the Old Testament. They really didn't have a concept. This was new and hidden until, the, until Christ came. He could have just died for our sins and just that was it. There would be none of this community. But he not only died for our sins, he created this community, called it his own body, called it his bride. And so we can become a part of that. But he also has taken us into that family as sons and daughters, Um, not just as slaves, as the scripture said. We come as sons and daughter and and co-heirs with Christ. We come in with full family privileges. Again, an awesome privilege. Ephesians 5 says about this body that we are, the body of Christ. Now it says that Christ is the head of the church. So 
all things that we do, we're to go through him and to him because he's the head. He is the ruling over me, over you, over the over the whole body of Christ in the world, the family of God. He is the head of that. Um, God is our father still. He's, that image of God the father still implies, and it really implies to all that he is. So if God is our father, he takes a personal interest in our lives in the best sense of a father. You know, he has a purpose for us. Doesn't every good father try to direct their child into a, a, a purposeful future? Absolutely. Um, he will exert his power on our behalf. You know, if it's within our, my power and my child has an issue, I am going to become mama bear and go for that child and, and exert what little power I have on their behalf. And just think we have God, a heavenly father, our adopted father, and he can, he has that power. He has all power, all wisdom, and that is what we can go to and depend on. That's the kind of father we have in God. We're never alone. His spirit indwells us. Another great privilege in the family of God. So many people suffer from loneliness. More and more people live alone now than ever before. So, and especially with the, you know, the virus and everything else that has happened in this country, it's, it, you can feel very much alone and afraid. Mm-hmm. But we have this presence of God in us as being adopted into his family. That's a great, great comfort. Well, we also have a new relationship with one another, as we said, in the family of God that requires us then to love one another and to serve one another, to work together as brothers and sisters in Christ in the family of God. So let me share with you a quote that I read that I thought was so powerful. I normally don't like to read something, but this is worth it. So listen, you were cleansed by the same blood, regenerated by the same spirit. You are a citizen of the same city, a slave of the same master, a reader of the same scriptures, a worshiper of the same God, the same presence, dwells silently in you as in them. Therefore, you're committed to them and they to you. They are your brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, children, and God. Whether you like or dislike them, you belong to them. You have responsibilities toward them that must be discharged in love. As long as you live on this earth, you are in their debt, whether they have done much or little for you. Christ has done all. He demands that your indebtedness to him be transferred to your new family. Isn't that beautiful? When we think about all that we have in common and how we are to be indebted to one another. Just love that point. So if I wanted to just kind of sum up this whole idea of the adoption, I would say this is our takeaway point. It is through faith in Christ, the Son, that we are adopted forever into God's family. That's really the bottom line. I'll say it again. It's through faith in Christ, the Son, that we are adopted forever into God's family. So now that we know our new family begins with adoption, let's talk about family. How's this family supposed to function? I had fun with this. I, I, could, I kept coming up with Fs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> family. So first, family function is family equality. Um, 
Galatians 3 says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free nor is there male and female. You are all one in Christ. So the family of God is to have no favorites. They are not to be exclusive. They are to be open to all. Um, I think we're all going to be a little amazed when we get to heaven to see the variety. But just look around you. God loves variety. And Mm -hmm. he's made us all of every economic and ethnic and everything imaginable. Um, He loves that variety. And we have to embrace that variety that God has given us in other people as well. With so many tensions right now with, with race, I think it's really a good word to remember that the church is really supposed to be different. We're supposed to embrace all, and it breaks my heart um, when we, we're not seeing that. However, I did see a great picture of a worship service held right on the spot where Lloyd, George Lloyd, was killed, and I thought, oh, wow, that's a statement. Mm-hmm. That's a statement, how we are George all. Floyd. Yeah, yeah. George Floyd. Yeah, George Floyd, yeah. Um, we also have family friends in the family function. Paul, the Apostle Paul, teamed up with Barnabas, Timothy, Titus, and so many others as he spread the gospel. The disciples had their small group. Remember, there was 12 of them, and then there was this smaller inner circle as well. A small group is a proven way to learn not only from the leader, but also from each other. So in the family of God, we're to have these family friends. Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. A community strengthens us in our faith and in our service to God, in our sharing the gospel. Moses had a brother and a sister, Aaron and and Miriam. Uh, Moses was given advice from his father-in-law, Jethro. It's too much for you, you know, help appoint others. So we see in the Bible constantly that God gives people to come alongside of his people uh, in order to make a broader impact for the gospel. Listen, here, here is a real lesson. Don't go this Christian life alone. You need a team. We all need a team. We can be alone and we can easily fall into despair, loneliness, even bitterness. Sometimes Christians will isolate themselves because of a hurt or an unwillingness to be vulnerable, and that is not healthy. No. We need each other. It's been said that independence from relationships is independence from God himself. Independence from relationships is... Independence from God himself. Oh, I have to think about that one. Yeah. Good thing we have a break, because it gives me a couple of minutes to yeah. think about that. Noodle it. I'm going to noodle that during the break. Beverly Canaris is my guest. Talking about the family of God, we'll take a little break and come right back. If you heard something you want clarified or have a question, 877-933-2484 is the text line. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're talking about the family of God. We talked about the foundation, and now we're talking about the function of the family. And let's not do this alone. We're, we're designed to be in community with each other. Iron sharpens iron, one man another. It's important to take our burdens to one another, do all kinds of things like that, right, Bev? It is. Yeah. It is. I, I just was kind of going through um, some of the reasons why in the family of God we're to have friends and we're to have relationships. Um, it's in relationships with other Christians that we really learn more about ourselves. Uh, it's been very helpful to me to be in a community. Um, God uses people to help us to grow. Uh, we need the body of Christ. People who connect with other people in meaningful ways, they grow mm-hmm. and they can heal from their hurts mm-hmm. and they can thrive spiritually. Yeah. Isn't it most important though, Bev, that we are in community so we can learn more about God? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, just to take the focus a little bit off on us and onto him because when we are in community, we're learning about him. Absolutely. But there's also an aspect of what it, um, how it reflects us, what it, how it impacts our oh, life as well. Yeah, we, you know, if you isolate yourself and you cut yourself off from the church, from the people of God, it's not going to help you spiritually. I agree. Um, if we have fallen away from God, we need people who can help reconnect us with God. If we've lost our way, we can lose our way from grief, you know, from great loss in our life or depression, addiction, uh, relationship losses, financial losses. The church should be a place where we can come and we can be encouraged by God, encouraged by God's people, and become part of this family. You know, it's, what do they say, uh, trials shared, you know, are cut in ha- mm-hmm. half. And I think that that's kind of the idea uh, with the family of Christ. Well, so far we've had family quality, family friends, and now we have a family fortress, you know, when we are alone, we're very vulnerable to the attack of enemies. Um, the The enemies could be Satan, could be the world. It can even be ourselves and our own wrong thinking. You know, have you ever seen one of these natural wildlife shows where the the lion is getting ready to pounce on these gazelles or whatever? And I they, they I don't watch those; they're too scary. Are, okay. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll be gentle with my words here. All right. And. You see that just, you know, creeping through the grasses, this lion, and they wait until someone kind of falls, one of the animals falls behind or gets Mm -hmm. separated from the others, or they try to separate them from the others, get them off by themselves, Mm -hmm. and that's when they're vulnerable. That's when that predator will attack um, when they're separated from the herd. Right. And I think that's a great picture for us in the family of God. God, Christ created us a body, a community. And when we isolate ourselves, we're not meaningfully involved in a community. I think we are more open to being deceived Mm -hmm. easily. Um, And all of the other things we've mentioned earlier about the loneliness. I just like the word fortress, too. What a great word. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be part of a fortress? Yeah. God calls him. I mean, the hymn. We love the fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. I love that. Uh, So in the family of God, we have family equality, family friends, and a family fortress. It's a safety net for us. We we go there, we hear truth. When we go into the world, we may hear a lot of untruth, but that keeps us uh, walking in the path of Christ. 
Well, the next one, I told you I had fun with the Fs, family fuel is nothing, is, a, is a something else that we have in the family of God. It offers us some much-needed fuel in our lives. And let me tell you what I see as family fuel, prayer and the Word of God. In Matthew 18, it says, Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am with them. Really, prayerlessness indicates an independence from God and from his church. So who do you pray with on a regular basis? I think it's important to not only just pray on our own, but also to pray in the community. You know, Sunday mornings is great. Maybe you have a small group you pray for, pray with. Um, Have you ever asked for prayer from someone else? Uh, Who are you praying for? Prayer is not just private. It is meant to be part of the community life, part of the family of God as well. And then there's my favorite, uh, family fuel, the Word of God. The Bible is family fuel. The Bible is called daily bread. We can fuel up on God as we read the Bible, study the Bible, share what we're learning with others. Day by day, God's Word can strengthen us for the challenge that every one of our days bring, right? Mm-hmm. It gives hope and peace in the midst when we're going through some trials. Um, I love the thought that it restores our souls. You know, when you're out in the world and doing your daily life, you kind of get beat up. But going to the Word of God every day, I feel like I get a restoration mm-hmm. from the Lord. A new word, a new hope, kinda a new wash, strength. It kind of washes over you, doesn't it? It does. Mm-hmm. It does. It, I, when, you, when I'm right with God... Everything else is right. But when I'm not in that relationship and I'm not seeking that restoring of my soul, I, I kind of bumble through my day. God's word is filled with God's promises to us. And each one of these is such a treasure. Go on a promise hunt. Read some of the Psalms and uh, just look for those promises that God gives us. You know, Bible study is most effective in the context of community with uh, in with other Christians as well. I am a big believer. Yes, you can do your own study, and I do a lot of that. But I also want to meet with other believers to study because I find it so enriching to hear other opinions, different views. I never thought of that. I mean, how can I come up with all the answers? I, it, I'm just... I can't do it, right, Bill? I mean, I'm sure you feel very enriched when you have many guests and you hear many points of views. Um, It really uh, helps us. So I think that studying the Bible in the context of community with other Christians is very helpful. So I just want to ask people today, are you fueling up by praying and studying the Bible with other family members of God? Pretty basic stuff, isn't it? It is, but it's... It's never old. I know. It's never old. It's always the best advice. Mm-hmm, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back to more Fs. Okay. Now we're on to family fulfillment. <laughs> um, it's really about being a part of something bigger than ourselves that we all long for. We find fulfillment in our Christian lives when we are being sanctified through the Holy Spirit in our life and also as we do that process with other family members. We're growing together. Other believers can help us see our sin and our need for Christ um, and can help us take that step of seeing it because we all kind of lie to ourselves 
we can deceive ourselves. Where if you're in the context of a close community, they will help you, hopefully, with that, to see things that we can. You know, watching and being with other Christians is very instructive for our own walk. I, you know, when we, like you said, the verse of iron sharpening iron, when Mm -hmm. we rub our lives up against someone else, reading a great biography, reading about, I'm doing a study on the Apostle Paul this summer, that is really iron sharpening iron in my life. I'll never forget a comment about a woman who came to BSF. She stood up at the end of the year and she said, you know what? I've been watching all of you because I didn't know how a Christian woman was supposed to act. Wow. Good and bad news, right? You, yeah. All of a sudden you go, mm, what kind of an example have I been? <laughs> How did we do? Yeah, yeah, you know, but she was positive. We model either positively, though, or negatively. Also from Titus 2, it mentions that we're to come alongside of each other and help those younger in the Lord to mentor. Um, Titus 2 really talks about all ages are to mentor and to teach and to respect each other. Love that. Uh, we're to help each other discover our purpose. Community is a place where together we can seek God's will. You know, you can question, is this God's will? You know, but if you have this community, it's a safety net. It's, it's a, a good place to go if these people are in the word as well and will help you to be able to discern God's will. We all will be more greatly fulfilled when we spur each other on to do the good deeds, to follow Jesus and to share Jesus. So within the context of community, again, we are fulfilled. And we have greater fulfillment in our lives when we have some accountability within the family of God as well. Um, I'll never forget my mother-in-law who taught a Bible class and a Sunday school class. If someone was missing, she would call them. That week, they'd know they were going to get a call. We missed you. Mm -hmm. Come back. I mean, there was that loving, loving accountability that made a big difference in a lot of people's lives and kept them coming because someone cared and noticed. So that loving accountability is is a big part of the family of God as well. Okay, what have we had so far? We've had uh, family equality, friends, fortress, fuel, and fulfillment. Well, next is family fruit. Okay. And we're going to talk also, along with this, of family forgiveness and love. So family fruit. You know, God has given each one of us a, a spiritual gift for the common good. That's what 1 Corinthians twelve seven says. You're given a gift, the spiritual gift, for the good of the community. And then we're to identify those gifts and we're to develop them so that we can bring good to the family of God. Um, These gifts are not given to, you know, build us up for our own egos, to make us somebody. Rather, the gifts we have um, are given to us, but they really don't belong to us. Any gifts that we have is property of the family of God, not our own. The spiritual gifts are given to us by the Spirit of God who works through us using these gifts. Now, approximately, you know, 21 gifts are mentioned in the Bible. There may be more than that. That's kind of a debated thought, Mm -hmm. um, how many there actually are. But some of them are like teaching, helps, administration, mercy, faith, you know, and And the Bible compares all these gifts to like a human body and how each part of our body is so crucial. And you you notice that when it starts hurting. Um, Lately, uh, my lower back's kind of 
bugging me a little bit. Never paid any attention to my lower back until it starts to hurt. Um, And so it is in the family of God. We're all a body, and we want to be using all parts. Some parts, you know, like maybe your index finger, you maybe use more um, than your other little pinky. And but yet all are vital to our body. And the idea is that everybody has one gift at least, and they are to use that gift that they've been given. Jesus told a parable about talents uh, in the Bible. He he gave so many resources to these different people and and some of them took that resource or that gift and they went out and they they multiplied it. But then one guy thought, oh, I don't want to lose it. And the, my master, I don't want to uh, have to deal with him. So I'm just going to bury it. And that's what he did. But Jesus said that the man came back after giving the gifts. And the one who had buried it, what he had was taken from him and given to the others. So idea is here, especially if you apply this to giftedness, our gifts are given to us in order to be taken, to be developed and to be used in the family of God, um, and there's evangelism, not only in the family of God. These gifts can be used beyond the doors, beyond the family as well, as a way to reach people for Christ. So I wonder, you know, when you think about that parable, am I really being fruitful in the family of God with these gifts given us? Am I sharing them? Do I know what they are, and have I developed them? And how can I take them outside of the body of Christ into the world in general? Many are called to use them as a way to show who Christ is in the world. Family forgiveness and love. We are to love God first and foremost, but then, you know, the greatest commandment, we're to love other people as we love ourselves. Mm -hmm. I kind of smile when I read that because the Lord knows we love ourselves. And so that was the perfect illustration of how we're to love others. Love really transforms, doesn't it? When the family of God loves each other with the love they've received from God, that is a powerful witness to the the world looking in. It's huge, isn't it? It is huge. It's huge. I have a friend that says constantly, we got to get the love thing right. Yeah. And that's that's such a powerful. Uh, that was a huge part of my testimony. My my story is that um, I felt just such love from a Christian woman I worked with, and then I felt such love from my mother in law and my husband, and I could see Christ in them loving me. And I thought, well, if they can love me, surely God loves me. Mm, wow. Yeah. What so a I mean, witness. it is. Yeah. All right. I'll take a short break. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're talking about the family of God. When we come back, we're going to probably finish up a little bit of family forgiveness and love and then move on to the family future. That's all I had. We'll be right back. families, but are you in the family of God? That's what we're talking about today with Beverly Canaris. We're breaking it down, and as we talk about the family function, we last left off on family forgiveness and love. I know we got some more to say about that. Oh, we sure do. Over the break, we were talking about how incredibly powerful it is when someone 
shows us the love of Christ or when they don't and we're a professed Christian and how harmful that can be. So love is a very big deal. First Corinthians 13, of course, uh, you hear it all at the weddings and all the descriptor of what that love should look like. Um, and if we don't have that kind of love, it says right there in chapter 13, you're just a gong, a clanging gong, a loud noise. You're not a good witness at all. Also in the family of God, we are in love to carry each other's burdens, to encourage each other, and to help the weak among us. There's to be love in the family of God, Um, but there can be challenges in this. The church, as we know, the family of God is not immune to family feuds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We all know that well. Yeah, it can happen in the family of God just like it does in our own homes. In fact, this week I've been studying Acts 15, uh, the Jerusalem Council, where there was this disagreement about what the new Gentile believers had to do in order to be saved. And, of course, the final determination of that was faith, faith in Jesus Christ, not circumcision, not keeping the law of Moses. It was faith in Jesus Christ. But there was a dispute, and it had to be settled. But there can be things in, in the family of God like jealousy or not being cared for. How about doctrinal issues mm-hmm. or how about stupid issues, you yeah, know, oh yeah. uh, the, the big decisions about how loud the music is or what carping. this is long. Yeah. All those kinds of things. Um, personality clashes mm-hmm. being not included or included. Uh, there's just you, countless others. It always kind of takes us off guard because we hope for more in the family of God and it can hurt even more because it is in the family of God. But the Lord wants us in the family to be good forgivers. Seventy times seven is what he told his disciples. Forgivers. Forgivers. Forgivers, yes. And we're not to be easily offended. Okay. Yeah. I think um, that can be a problem. Being easily offended usually is a signal of pride. Yeah, we're touchy. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And we know what a, a high, uh, how highly Christ valued unity as well. You read his high priestly prayer in John 17, and he writes that they may be one in unity. The whole theme of the prayer is unity. Christ sought to have unity in his body, in his uh, people. So a truth to take away from this is the Christian life is a life meant for community, the church. The Christian life is a life meant for community, the church. Well, we have to finish our discussion on the family of God, talking about our future. We are heirs in the family, and we will receive an inheritance that is kept for us in heaven. That's beautiful. That should excite everybody right now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, The nature of that inheritance is a bit of a mystery. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I like surprises. I kind of like the idea that it is a bit of a mystery, and I don't know that I would maybe fully understand it if I was told. So I think it's, it's, it's going to be much better than I can anticipate. Um, scripture does say that we're going to reign with Christ. Reign with Christ. 
Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we're going to be subjects. It talks about reigning with him. So to me, that means that he is going to bestow um, what he has in his inheritance and share with us, whatever that is going to be. Wow, that is magnificent. I mean, there's our inheritance. Scripture says, no eye has seen or no ear has heard, no heart of a person has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So there again, it's talking about our rich inheritance in Christ. In the future, we we can know that we're, when we think about our future, we can know that we're eternally secure and we have been given new life through faith in Christ and that new life transfers us then into heaven. 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, I love that word, God has circled a hundred times in my Bible, so that you may know you have, present tense, eternal life. We have such security for our future in the family of God. So the takeaway truth here is we will be in the family of God eternally. Making today's efforts so important that we're a part of this community, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Knowing that it's going to go on forever. Well, you can have the father of your dreams when you become a part of the family of God. That's good news to a lot of people, Bev. It is. Yep. And you can have a family of brothers and sisters through faith in Christ. Um, we really can't let the daily demands squeeze out our time to cultivate community. How easily that can happen. What's going to happen when the churches can be filled again? Will people come back? Will people have fallen away? Will they forget about having community? This is really a vital message for all of us right now when we've been isolated. No kidding. And maybe because it's been taken away, we will treasure it more. We can have a home, a place, and a people. That's called the church part of Christ's body, the family of God. So listeners, do you have this in your life? And where is God calling you to belong? Pick a community, pick a church, stick with it. Be committed for the long haul. Encourage the leadership. What a rich life is waiting for you in the family of God. It is so true. And if you are outside of God's family or you are wondering if you are in God's family, if you have uh, believed in his name and received him as your savior, you have what the Bible teaches is you've been born again. So you are very much um, part of God's family. And it's uh, important to, like Bev said, uh, understand the foundation of this family that you're in and then understand the function of the family. There's so much richness there. And most excitingly is your future, that your treasure is stored in heaven, your your heir is to reign with God through all of eternity. But I think God's going to be revealing parts of himself to us throughout all of eternity. I don't think we get there and go, I think I got everything to, I'm going to know about God in the first day I'm there. <laughs> that, um, that makes me laugh. No. Certainly not. Our future is going to be uh, an eternity of getting to know who God is, um, getting to know uh, the other people of God. Think about how large the family of God is going to be in heaven. No kidding. Who do you want to see there, Bill? Well, I mean, a lot of people come to mind, but I'd be happy to just spend the first trillion years looking at the face of Jesus 
that would be the best. Seriously, I would be just beside myself. I know. And there's the promise. We will see him what? Face Face to to face. face. Are you kidding? But right now, Bill, you can't, you know, belittle what's happening today. uh, Hebrews 11 says that God is pleased with faith. Only in this life do we have the opportunity to believe in faith. Mm-hmm. When we get there, it's going to be sight. Right. But right now it's but faith. But right now we can please him and yes. give him great delight and joy yes. in faith. And you have, we, we all have faith. You have faith and I have faith. It's where you've placed your faith. Yeah. If you've placed it in yourself, you need to stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Place it in Jesus. That's not going to hold you very <laughs> yeah. long. That's uh, not a great message. With Come a minute to the to rock. Go. Yeah, I know. I should have planned that better. But that's me. All right. Thank you so much, <laughs> Bev, for being here and uh, sharing about the family of God. That wraps up our show for the day. And like always, I've loved this time together with you. And I'm so grateful and appreciative that you um, tune in and listen. And then you support Faith, Faith Radio. I am so grateful. Thank you so much. Have a great night, everyone. And I will see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.